Well, good morning, everybody. Man, <laughs> I am excited to be here with all of you uh, as we continue our journey into the incredible wonders of what God is showing us and what He is unfolding for us. As many of you know, uh, we have been traveling through the book of Romans, uh, a, a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And one of the things about the book of Romans that I think has been uh, amazing so far uh, is that in the early parts of the book of Romans, there is this grand display of the extraordinary wonder of God's mercy and grace toward us and the unbelievable nature of his redemptive work for us. I mean, the further we travel, the more we're like, I, I'm sorry, it was awesome last week, it can't get better, and then what does it do? It gets better, right? And that is what the early part of the book of Romans is all about. From chapter 1 to chapter 11 is this display of what we are the recipients of if we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? It's just, this is what He has done for you. And then Romans chapter 12, Paul makes that giant transition and he says, Now, <laughs> in view, brothers and sisters, of that extraordinary mercy wondrous grace and great redemptive work, you are invited to participate in the story with God. He is redeeming the whole thing and you can be part of it. He is producing redemptive story after redemptive story in the midst of a planet of death and you are allowed to participate in view of God's mercy. On Saturday mornings at my house, uh, we make waffles uh, in some form of regularity. Most Saturday mornings, it's, it's waffle morning. And when we make the waffles, uh, uh, we make them from scratch, and we blend it all together, and we put some chocolate chips in them, and it's awesome. And uh, on Fridays, several of my children will inevitably ask me, can I help making the waffles? And I have to have that momentary thought process where like, man... Do I really want them helping in the kitchen? Have you ever had that feeling? Because honestly, the ones that most want to help, uh, which are the littler ones, uh, their help in the kitchen isn't exactly what it seems, right? Uh, there is a simplicity to me just doing it myself. Because if I do it myself, I know that it will be the most efficient and effective way to get the waffles on the table. Now, because what matters to me more than efficiency and effectiveness uh, is that my children get to participate with me in producing wonderful things, I allow them into the kitchen. And depending on the day, sometimes that goes relatively well and they are actually a help and sometimes they mix the wrong ingredients, they spill the milk, or they get bored and I need them to watch for the green light so the waffle doesn't burn and the next thing I hear the smoke alarm go off and I'm like, where's the kid? Oh, they got distracted by some other thing that seemed more interesting. Here's what I know, though. The reason I can allow them into the kitchen is this. Whether my kids are in the kitchen with me or not, what is going to happen with those waffles? They're going to end up on that table, and they're going to be good, because I'm going to make sure that that happens. You see, that's my job. My job, and I am empowered to that job, is to be able to get those waffles on the table. When they participate with me in the journey, then when the waffles get on the table, if they were in the kitchen with me, here's what I always get to say. Come on, everybody. Thank these three, because they made the waffles for you. Woo-hoo-hoo. 
And did they? Absolutely, 100%. They participated in making those waffles. Those waffles are on the table because one of them put the ingredients in, mixed the stuff, watched the green light. Could have done it without them, should have done it without them, didn't do it without them, right? And the waffles end up on the table. This is the privilege that we have. This is the grand story that we are invited into uh, uh, in terms of the whole historical event that we are involved in from the beginning of humanity to the redemptive story of God when the new earth and the new heaven are brought together. We are in that season and we are invited into the kitchen with God to take a mess of ingredients and turn them into a redemptive wonder. God does not need us. I don't even know that it's a great idea that he has us because it's less efficient and effective, but he sure does allow us, and that is pretty amazing. And this stands in direct contrast of our cultural context, right? Because our cultural context sends us a very different message about the story that we're a part of. Uh, it says to us that our job uh, when we are born is to learn some good manners from our parents, uh, and then to get a good education. Why? Because the combination of good manners and a good education will get you what? A good job. That's right. And if you get a good job, then you will make a good amount of money. And your bank account will be stable. And if your bank account is stable enough, then you will be able to retire well without having to work until you're 90 because there's nothing better than being bored for 20 years doing nothing. And so uh, you're going to get to retire and, and do that and, uh, and you have enough to be able to set up the process for the next generation to learn some good manners and get a good education so that they will get a good job so that they will have a bank account that is stable enough that they can retire well and have enough to help the next set of generation learn some good manners and, and get a good education so that they can get a good job so that their bank account will be full enough so that they, so it gets scary, doesn't it? And that is the process in which we often find ourselves uh, informed by the culture. And then we become Christians and we add to that piece of the puzzle this. While you are doing that awesome American dream thing, add two things to it and you are a Christian, right? Add this. Do some good along the way. I mean, not enough that it makes the bank account not be what it needs to, but, but some. And don't do a lot of bad, right? Stay away from the bad stuff, do some good stuff, and now you are a Christian version of that beautiful story. And then the scriptures comes to us, and it stands in direct contrast of that. And it says, no, 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 no. All that you have, all that you are, was given to you as an extraordinary gift from God because you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared in advance for you to do. It's like God set up the kitchen for you and I to participate, wired us to participate in our places in the kitchen, and gave us the talents, resources, uh, and, and relationships we need in order to participate well. And then he says, come on, kiddos, in the kitchen, all 10 trillion of you, and go for it. And I will manage it all so that even if you mess it all up, the waffles end up on the table. Redemption is the realized end result, right? Pretty awesome, right? And so here at Mosaic Church, we take very seriously the fact that we are not going to play church. We are not going to gather up and keep you all inspired and happy so that you will have some good manners and a good education and get a good job and do some good along the way, hopefully some of it coming our way so we can keep the lights on. We are not doing that. We are not playing that game. 
we are going to engage in going into the world, into the hard places, and impact that world redemptively on behalf of Christ so that the world will actually change. So that we are actually participating in the actual kitchen that we have been invited to be part of. So that in the end, when the redemptive stories are bubbling over, that God will be able to say, Everybody, big hand for the Mosaic people. They helped us mix the salt in. It was awesome. And they watched for the green light too. Wow. Boom. Fist bump. And we'll beam and go, that's right. We were part of the whole deal. That's what we're about. So a year and a half ago. We stepped in uh, to articulating a two-year vision that would make sure that we don't play church and that we actually uh, effectively participate in being the body of Christ on this planet, the the ministers of reconciliation, and we actually get out there and we change the world. And so uh, as a leadership for a year before that, we prayed and sought scripture and asked God, what is this vision? How do we make it practical? How do we make it work? And we boiled it down to three primary things. We've got to equip the saints to do the work of the gospel, okay? Because if you don't know what to do, don't know how to do it, don't have the skills to do it, don't know the story of God, don't know the mercy of God, then you won't participate in the kitchen or you won't participate well if you come in the kitchen. So we got to equip the saints to do the work of the gospel. Then we got to take those saints and we actually got to go do the work, right? No point in being fully equipped. And then you're like, no, I don't want to go in the kitchen. But I, but, I, but I got you ready to, to do the stirring. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it. It's hot in the kitchen. Well, I, I don't care what you want to do. You get in the kitchen, right? We got we to actually go do it. We got to go impact the world. And then we've got to facilitate the growth of the story. Because we want to grow the story so that as people are impacted by the saints who've been equipped, that when they come into the story, we can do what? Equip them so that they can go out and impact the world. And so that the cycle takes place. And so that uh, the redemptive realities of Jesus keeps unfolding. So a year and a half ago, we started into this vision and we called it the Get Loud Initiative because the Get Loud Initiative boiled down to us wanting to actually be a loud voice for the redemptive expansion of God's kingdom on this planet. We did not want to sit around and not participate. So we stormed into the kitchen, right? And we said to all of you, here's what it looks like to storm into the kitchen. We're going to do it. We are now a year and a half into that two-year vision, okay? And I thought it was a good time as we're coming into the home stretch of the last six months of this particular part of the vision. And do not think for one second that we do not have a two-year, five-year, 10-year, 20-year, 42-year, or 43. I think I'm going to die 43 years or so. So that was my plan anyways. So 43-year vision. We do, but right now we're focused on the two-year piece that we're in. And we are three-quarters three way through, so let's, let's take a moment, pause, as we're in the book of Romans, expanding into the beauty of God's mercy and our participation in His story, and say, how are we doing? How's that going? How are we doing in that participation? And so I want to give you a quick update uh, for the next few minutes on how the last uh, year and a half has gone, where we're at, how your participation is impacting and affecting Uh, This work that God is inviting us to do in changing the world, actually changing the world by impacting the world through equipped saints and expanding the story. So let's talk for a few minutes, right? Equipping the saints. How's that going? So the equipping the saints part has been unbelievable over the last year and a half. Uh, Over the last year and a half, there are three primary areas where we have seen the equipping of the saints expand exponentially in our space. 
we have been able to staff a couple of critical roles in our church uh, that specifically deal with and advance the equipping of those who are serving on our ministry teams, those who are serving as deacons in our space, and those who are serving as elder pastors in our space. And so because we have been able to release a few key staff positions, and being able to equip those key staff positions with the materials and the resources they need to equip the saints well. We have seen our elder collective expand exponentially over the last year and a half. Uh, we, have, we are soaring past the, the 20 mark on elders here that are equipped to shepherd you. They go through a two-year process to become not board members making decisions, but to become equippers of the saints as shepherds of the church. And that is going extremely well. We have seen our deacon collective expand exponentially over the last year and a half as we equip deacons and we have the processes in place for those who step into the journey of serving the church in leadership as a deacon. We have seen uh, so many men and women step into that and become deacons in our midst and it's been incredible. And... We have an army of people now who serve in an incredible variety of ministry teams. Easter was the best example of this. I don't know if you know this. Some of you do because you were here. But Easter, we ran from 7 a.m. to, uh, to 8 p.m. I mean, it was back-to-back gatherings all throughout the entire day. And there were hundreds and hundreds of people that served here either all day long or most of the day. Easter Sunday, and we did not demonstrate the reality of a consumer church. We demonstrated the reality of a church that loves to participate in the redemptive unfolding story of God at whatever cost to our own comfort and convenience. And it was extraordinary to watch. The last year and a half has birthed a tremendous fruit of maturity in our church, and it has given us the resources we need to be able to do an effective job in equipping those saints to do the work of the ministry internally and externally. In that process of equipping people, we have had a number of people decide to go outward into the world around us, locally and globally. So we have had missional communities birthed and those who are existing engage in local missions, doing incredible work in our city. We have put together an entire structure to manage that whole process because we've been able to staff for that structure to take place. We are developing our interns and residents at a million miles a second. They are launching out into local and global endeavors for the sake of the gospel because we're able to staff some of that. And so all of that's happening. And because of that, we have been able to send people into the world, which leads us to the second part. How's the impacting the world going? Through our missional communities locally, we are an incredible force in our city now. Most of uh, the organizations we vetted know us well because Mosaic people are deeply involved in their organizations. You say Mosaic Church to most nonprofits in our city and they're like, love those guys. Not because the organization's doing an amazing job, but because the organism is. You all. It's awesome to watch. We are a force to be reckoned with in foster care. We are a force to be reckoned with in special needs. We are a force to be reckoned with in adoption. We are a force to be reckoned with in widow care. I mean, we are legitimately doing it. It's pretty awesome locally. Globally, listen to this. This is so crazy. So three years ago, 
we had eight global partners, okay? We were, we were funding eight global partners and spiritually caring for eight global partners. Five of them were church planting partnerships, and the other three were justice and mercy partnerships, okay? We were spending, as a collective annually, under $150,000 a year in our global partnership endeavors and the things we were doing. Over the last three years, as we entered the Get Loud initiative, we have moved that dial from eight partnerships to 27 partners around the globe that we engage deeply in. Yeah, that is unbelievable. We haven't doubled it. We haven't tripled it. We've more than tripled it. And we've done that while increasing the financial support of the eight that we had. So we're increasing them and adding a boatload more, some of whom we sent out of this place into the global environments, who are now global partners, trained, equipped, and sent from our church. And we are funding all of that. We have moved the dial from under $150,000 a year to over $500,000 a year that goes out to those global partners and to the local endeavors we do every year from this place. Because we give a percentage of our income away right off the bat. The scriptures invites us all to take the first 10% of our total resource base and unquestioning hand it to God and say, you do what you need to do with this. I just want in on the kitchen. And then we are invited scripturally to take an additional percentage, three, five, seven, ten percent 10% or more, and engage in strategic, passionate points where we give generously to things we direct our giving. And we don't just say, God, you do what you want. We go, I'd like to help human trafficking. I'd like to help poverty. I'd like to help orphan care. And so we here invite you to participate in that story. But then as a collective organization called the church, so should we, right? It wouldn't be any fun if we said to you, you get to be in, but we, we don't give anything. So we give 10% of our total income to church planting, and we give another 10% to the local and global endeavors of justice, mercy, and discipleship. And that goes out the door. So the bigger our total annual budget gets or income, the bigger what? Our impact globally becomes. And that's awesome to watch. So now you can tell what's happened over the last three years just in impacting locally and globally the world. And then the last piece of our three-tiered mission that we felt is articulated for the vision of these two years, uh, we have growing the story. Now, we put growing the story as the third, not the first. Here's why. Because we would never want us or you to believe or to buy into the idea that our primary mission is to grow the story. We never want growing the story to be the number one thing we do because we might accidentally believe that's our purpose, right? Uh, Just grow the story, bigger the story, better the story. That's not true at all. It is equip the saints to do the work of the gospel and go actually change the world. That's our story. As a consequence of that, we will need to grow the story as more people engage in the beauty of the gospel to be equipped and to participate in the gospel. But growing the story is also a starting point to the whole thing. Here's why. If you do not facilitate the growth of the story eventually you do not have people engaged in longevity, which means you don't have time to equip them, which means they don't become world impactors, which means they get good manners, a good education, a decent job, they retire well, and they help their kids do the same thing, which is a waste of time. And so we don't want to do that. So we need to expand the story so that people can engage in it so that they might be equipped so that we can change the world together as a collective. 
And so expanding the story is important. So how have we been doing on expanding the story? Uh, your knees are hitting the stage. I see that. Oh, you guys are here. I had no idea because I'm looking here because you're looking at my knees, right? So this is an awkward space, okay? And so we recognize some of you have your toddlers in here because we ran out of fire code space and we're having awkward moments at the stage. And so how do we uh, undo some of that? So most of you know we have had the privilege of purchasing a new space about five minutes from here on 50. It's a space four times the size of this building, and we have been in the process of renovating that space. So how are we doing on the renovation? Okay, here, here, here it is. You ready? Okay, first of all, we are ahead of schedule. So that's super weird. Just, just want to throw it out there. That doesn't happen in the building industry not on a little teeny house, let alone a giant building. So we are ahead of schedule, which means that our timeline is not only where we hoped it would be, but it is ahead of where we hoped it would be, which means we get in there faster, which means that's awesome. So welcome fall, here we come, right? Second of all, wait for it now, wait for it, hold your breath, are you ready? We are three quarters way through the build and we are on budget, on budget. No, I mean like, we're not over budget. No, I mean like on budget, right? So look, that doesn't happen either because there's a million reasons to break the budget because there's a million things that you like, eh. So what we've done is every time we've come across anything in the story that required us to do one thing, then we've eliminated another so that we can stay where? On budget, why? Because we don't have the money. Oh, no, 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 we have the money it's being diverted to 27 partners around the world. And all we have to do is let them know, hey, we're so sorry. We have some urgency in our own story right now. We're going to have to diminish some of your funding for a season. Don't worry, we'll get back to you. That's all we have to do. Then we can go and do that. But are we ever going to do that? No, we're not. As a matter of fact, listen to this. This is so crazy, right? So two years ago, when we were getting ready to start this whole thing, or a year and a half ago, one of our global partners uh, with Love146 that works in human trafficking, good friends of ours, Phil says to him in our lobby, oh my gosh, it's so exciting, we're launching into a building project, and his head goes down, like this, and Phil goes, what's up? And Matt says, well, um, I'm sure that's really exciting, but building projects are never an exciting piece of news for us. And Phil's like, why not? And he's like, look, man. Nothing, nothing against the church, but every time a church gets into a building project, our funding diminishes from that church. Every time. Because the urgency of the build takes precedence over the seeming non-urgency of the mission, right? And so we were like, uh-uh, so guess what? Guess what? Over the last year and a half, guess who's gotten extra funding while we're building our building? <laughs> Love 146, baby. That's right. So we're like... It ain't going to happen here. And so this is what I'm talking about. We are on budget because we have been committed to doing this in a manner worthy of the gospel. And because of that, the people we work with in the building project, guess where they are now oftentimes joining the story? Right here. Because instead of going, whenever you build, the hypocrisy of the church is bled out into every corner. They go, who are these people? We should go and check it out. This is how you need to build buildings. Now, uh, since we are on budget and we are ahead of schedule, we thought it might be helpful for you to see tangibly what that means. So who would like to take a quick tour of the building? Okay, so we're going to head out to the parking lot. No, no I'm just kidding. 
we actually threw it on video for you. So take a look. Phil and I, looking awkward in our little hats um, and doing a bit of an awkward walkthrough, are going to help you see the wonder of this building. Take a look. Well, Mosaic, great to be with you today. Um, as you know, uh, the last time we came to you with an update on the building was in February. And when we did that, we were in this very same spot. Demolition had just finished, and behind us was a giant open space. So um, as we are moving forward on the building, you've been very involved kind of in the process day to day. Uh, how are you feeling about things as they stand now? Well, we are ahead of schedule, and we are on budget. Okay, so ahead of schedule and on budget doesn't exist, not just so usually, you know. Not and it is awesome that that is where we're standing, and it's just, just another demonstration of God's faithfulness and the stewardship that the team has put into place. Right. So really excited about that. Uh, Phil, why don't you tell us where we're standing now? What is this and what is going on around us? Yes, yeah, so this is the, the main lobby as you walk into the building. Over here, you've got the bathrooms, tons and tons of toilets. Uh, then you've got doors going into the Mix 56 area. Right over here is the coffee bar uh, kitchen area. Directly behind me is the, the main doors going into the sanctuary. Then you've got a really wide hallway that you can't quite make out right now, uh, but there's a wide hallway going around the sanctuary. Then you've got the kids check-in, and then you've got the city or kids city, and lots of classrooms in behind that area. Man, I tell you, just standing here in this lobby space, it just feels so expansive, and it's going to be exciting to see all of the movement that takes place. When we're looking at the lobby, are the ceilings that are up high like this, are they going to be staying open? Are we dropping ceilings in? What are we doing there? This is going to be full height through most of the building. Uh, why don't we take a few minutes and walk around? Why don't we start with the Mix 56 Great. room since that's nearby? Let's take a look. Well, man, Phil, this room looks incredibly large. It looks a whole lot bigger than our current Mix 56 room. In fact, bigger than our current Kid City room. It is bigger, yeah. It's actually bigger than we need it to be, but that's because every space in this building is multi-purpose. And so this room is going to be used for Mosaic Latino. It'll be used for Chapter 1 classes for new people at Mosaic. It'll be used for Chapter 2, equipping nights. Uh, really, all sorts of things will be able to happen in this room. So, Phil, um, what is this giant room on the way through to the coffee bar? This is like a multi-purpose room. You'll have some kitchen storage and prep in here. Awesome. Uh, the safety team, parking team, blue shirt team, they'll all kind of have this as their base of operations. Very, very so cool. So it'll be a great space for kind of meetings before the gatherings. Awesome. And so here we are coming into the coffee bar. So I'm assuming we are standing inside the coffee bar right, right now. Uh, this is the main lobby. Here's where the countertops will Concrete be, and this is where everyone will get their lattes. That's right. So this is going to be a very immediate and visible part of your entrance into Mosaic's lobby. Coffee is very important to very, us Very, very cool. We go from the lobby into the sanctuary this way. Uh, you've got a couple of main entrances. The first one is going to be right here off the lobby, the big three triple doors that you've got right over okay. here. So really coming out of the lobby, this is my first option. I this can head your, straight yeah. into these big doors over here. Main doors go into the sanctuary okay. right behind me. Okay. Giant hallway going around the sanctuary to the next set of main doors. So there's main doors around the other way as well. Multiple entrances in. Awesome, yep. awesome. Yep. So, uh, Phil, I'm assuming right now we're standing on the stage in the new sanctuary. This is that pretty is, much right here dead center. That is awesome. So this is where the teaching team is going to be standing to preach to the sanctuary. Right. This is This is pretty much it. You're looking out at the room. Uh, the room will go all the way to that wall over there, all the way to this wall over here, and you can kind of make out the framing at the back wall here as well. You know what I love about this room is it, it, it doesn't feel actually quite as big as I thought it would feel. That's right. It's actually only about 20 feet deeper than our current room in Oakland. Obviously, it's a lot wider, but, but it's actually, you're, you're never too far from the stage. 
That is incredible. And um, in terms of uh, this room size, how many does it actually seat? Uh, it is a comfortable 1,200 seats. So are you telling me that we're going to have space between where we sit and our knees hitting the seat in front of us? Your knees actually won't hit the seat in front that of you. That is incredible. And, and the row in the front, the front row will actually be like further away from the stage. It'll be crazy. That is awesome. So 1,200 seats fit in here. I noticed on both sides there are these little holes with uh, sort of sand in the middle of them. What are these holes for? Uh, we have two baptismal tanks in this building. and. I'm really excited to bring baptism out from kind of behind a wall and a curtain and really out into the sanctuary with everybody else. That is awesome. I love that there are two on the stage so that uh, we can really have the experience of baptism being central. And, and for me personally, you know, even as I stand here, these are the kinds of things that I begin to think to myself. I wonder how many lives, how many hundreds, perhaps thousands of lives will experience the expression of their transformation right here in these right. two what are now concrete holes. And I do wonder who the first person's going to be to be baptized in this place. Man, that is an exciting thing to think about. So as the adults are in here uh, doing our thing, uh, the kids, I'm assuming, are doing their thing in kids' church. They're Where does all city. of that happen? Let's head over there. Awesome. Let's do it. So here we are in the kids' check-in directly off the lobby. Uh, above us, there'll be kind of an awesome entrance that'll just be really engaging for children. Your kids are going to walk into the lobby, they're going to see that kids check in, and they're going to want to run to it. That is awesome. So once they've checked in, uh, where do they head from there? Yeah. So we're going to walk through this door here. Okay. Kids will check in, they'll get walked through this door right here, and into the kids' classrooms and the kids' city area. Very cool. So as they head down here, this is all obviously secured, yep. and then we, uh, we head on into the, the giant kids' city room. This as we a, head in here. This is a big room. It's uh, more than twice the size of our current Kid City. There's going to be a great stage area behind us that'll be super engaging for kids. And then all the classrooms are behind us from there. That is awesome. So I'm assuming behind that wall, there are a bunch of classrooms. Lots of classrooms. We've got about 14 classrooms in total back there, plus Kid City, plus Mix 56. That is awesome. So when we're talking about capacity for the children's ministry in total, yeah. what are we talking about here? We think it's right around 425 kids per gathering. So right now, that means that we have plenty of room for our kids. We have a lot of room to expand with kids' ministry. You know, that is probably, for me, as you know, the, the biggest deal, because when we turn kids away, because we can't check them in, because we've run into fire code, nothing bothers me more than that. Right. And so I'm assuming at this point, with 1,200 seats capacity, we should never run out of room in the kids' ministry That's right. while that place is full. That's right. That is awesome. Uh, with all the capacity, what happens if we run out of space? Yeah, so if we run out of space in here, we actually have a little more room to expand into. Let me show you where that is. Awesome. Let's go take a look. So here we are in 28,000 square feet of phase two space. It's a pretty awesome area. So if I get that right, that means that the unfinished space after phase one is larger than our entire current Oakland building. Oakland is 22,000 square feet. This is 28,000 square feet. So you could literally drop Oakland into this space. Man, that's incredible. So that means that as things grow in our space, if need be, we have all this space to expand into in phase two. We can add more classrooms. We could put in a, a, a playground, an indoor playground. We could put in a gymnasium, all sorts of ideas. Well, Mosaic, uh, here we are uh, at the end of our tour. And we just want to tell you how excited we are to invite you into this new space in just a few months. Thank you for your generosity, Mosaic. It's what makes all of this possible. And this is, this is unbelievable. It's pretty cool.
So um, there's this guy that uh, lived on this planet at a certain point. His name is Solomon, and he is known biblically and historically as the wisest human that ever walked the face of the, t- uh, the earth other than God in the flesh, right? So that's a big deal. And he scripturally participates in putting the scriptures together by being the one that writes and collects some of the wise sayings of the Old Testament, including the book of Proverbs. And on occasion, you run into these proverbs, and they sound awesome, but you're like, well, that just sounds like this big, neat statement like you'd put on a wall, but you don't really know what it means. But then we run into these moments where the tangible experience that we are living in matches what something says in proverbs, and you're like, oh, that's what that meant, right? So there is a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 and 25, and and I want you to listen to what it says because it describes what we as a church are getting to participate in during this particular two-year vision, right? Here's what it says. If you read it in the Bibles that we provide, the English Standard Version, it's going to say it this way. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer, Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. Okay, so that's that's the direct translation from the original languages. Then the NIV, which is another translation that is an accurate translation uh, of the original languages, says it slightly differently and gives us a little bit of a nuance that we're like, oh, okay, not so much about if you give $10, you become rich. But I now understand what he meant by becoming uh, wealthy or rich. Look at this, NIV. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So now you're like, okay, that's a little bit more like if you give, you get rich. No, no, if you give, there's a prosperity in that, a beauty in that. But then what I love is that there is a, there is a paraphrase version of the Bible. A paraphrase isn't a direct translation from the original language. It's someone who takes the Bible and tries to put it into a context that explains the intended meaning behind the words, right? And the message is a Bible, I don't know if you've ever read, that is a paraphrased Bible. Uh, it is a good supplement to one of the translations, like NIV, ESV, King James, whatever. So listen to this. In the message, I think in this verse, the author of the message captures this verse perfectly in its intended meaning. And this one I love. This goes on the wall right here. Ready? Ready? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. See, that's what we're experiencing here. We are experiencing intangibility, the reality of what that scripture is saying, that when we step out of our cultural context and how it informs us to say, you get good manners and a good education to get a good job to fill the bank account so that you will retire well and help your kids do the same thing. And if you're a Christian, give along the way some and do some good along the way to know God has given you all of this. And the more you are able to take it and participate in the redemptive story of God by being in the kitchen and bringing all of your resources, all of your talent, all of your experience, all of your time, all of your 
your relationship dynamics, all of your circumstances to the kitchen and go, God, what do you want me to do with all this? This is awesome. How do I make the gospel beautiful? How do I see you more beautiful in this? Then our world expands. Somebody who is living inwardly, their world shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, and eventually you are lost in your stinginess. But those who are more and more able to release all of their life to the grander story of God, their world expands and expands and expands and gets bigger than imagination has the capacity for. And so what we're seeing here is we are participating in a world that is getting bigger and bigger, not in so far of its sheer size, but in so far as its sheer impact on the redemptive story of God. Isn't that awesome? And we do that because we have chosen to be generous with our resources and generous with our lives. And the more generous we become as a church with our resources and our lives, the larger and larger our world collectively becomes and our world individually becomes. And the less we participate, the smaller it all gets. Till eventually there's nothing left of us and we sit around in a little building that's bigger than we need, 12 people fussing and fighting over keeping an organ or some tile on a wall, right? Do you know how small those worlds are? And you and I do not want to end up in one of those stories. So we need to release ourselves to the grander story of God. When we stepped into the commitments a year and a half ago, uh, we had many of you that were here uh, jump in and say, I want in on the Get Loud initiative. And there was a tangibility to that. There was a financial commitment you made for two years to be part of that. So let me just say this. For many of you that wrote on those commitment cards and said, I'm doing it, and you have remained faithful to that commitment, you are three quarters way through, you have done the thing, you are continuing on, and you're looking at the next six months just faithfully plugging away, I have no words of thanksgiving for you that would be enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your faithfulness, welcome to the bigness of the world that that has produced. You have mixed into these waffles well, and boy, when these waffles land on the table, you can stand back and go, it's right, I mixed the salt in. Mm. And what a joy it's going to be. For those of you here that made commitments, and you have remained faithful to them, but it's been a bumpy ride. Look, welcome to planet Earth, right? Things change, things divert, you get forgetful. It's like, eh. Hey, listen, listen. Here's the beauty of the story of God. When we make commitments in the typical format of our world, when you get three quarters way in and you're so far behind that you know you can't really catch up, and now you just kind of throw in the towel and just put your head down, stick it in the sand, and hope for the best, that is not the way you have to roll. You are allowed to come into the story and say, I don't know that I can finish with the full deal because it's been a rough ride, but I'm not going to bail now. I'm going to press in and I'm going to finish well. If you are running down this marathon and you're three quarters way through and you've kind of just, your time didn't go the way you thought it would in the first three quarters of the race, you're not going to make your PR. You're not doing, don't quit. Don't go, you know what? I'm, I'm out. Buckle down. Look at the next six months and say, my energy, my time, and my resources, I'm going to double time it, and I'm going to get as far as I can down the road and cross the finish line as faithful. Even if the number doesn't match what was on the card, I will demonstrate faithfulness the last six months. Faithfulness in the end redeems a story that at the beginning wasn't as helpful as we thought. So finish strong. Do not bail. Some of you here 
a year uh, since we started the initiative. In fact, uh, there's about 500 people that have joined our story since a year and a half ago in the initiative, hence the reason why this building is a very helpful thing, right? And so there's 500 of you that are going, hold on, hold on, there's a kitchen and you're making waffles with God and I'm not invited in, are you out of your mind? You've left me here sitting three months attending this church, and all this time there's a bunch of people participating in the kitchen, and I'm up in my room playing video games? Are you kidding me? Come on, that's not fair. I totally get it. I understand the frustration that you are feeling right now. And so we want to give you the opportunity to participate in the kitchen before the waffles end up on the table. And so though we are a ways down the waffles, and they're going real well, I want you to know that we want you to have the opportunity to participate. This is not some great brand that I'm swinging so you can give. This is out of a core belief that if you are participating financially that you are in the kitchen with us and you get to be part of God's redemptive unfolding story. We want you in for your sake, not ours. We, we are doing well. Can you tell? Uh, we don't need to go to the bank and go, oh no, it's bad. We're doing fine, but you need to, need, need to get in. Now, here's the deal. There's some of you here that filled out the cards a year and a half ago, and things have changed dramatically, and things went a lot better than you thought. And you haven't actually thought to yourself, oh, I should probably participate more, but I really could. For those of you doing that, can I just offer you this invitation, right? There's a lot of the story left, and you're welcome to bring more to the kitchen. Because the more you bring, the more part of these waffles you get to play. You don't have to. There's no obligation. You're not going to be less of a Christian, or God's not going to love you less if you don't. But you do get to, and that's pretty awesome. Now, you might be saying, okay, hold on, Renault. I'm slightly confused. You told us that the building's on budget and going well. You told us that the staffing stuff is going well. You told us that everything seems to be tracking. You told us that we are not begging you for money because we're behind and everybody was unfaithful and now we don't know what to do. You've told us it's all tracking well. Then why on earth shouldn't we just stop giving? Well, that, that probably isn't the, the best question. Why, do we, why should we participate more if everything's tracking well? That is a fantastic question. Here's why. Outside of the obvious, which is that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, here's the practical side of that. There is this thing called phase two, which is all the stuff we're going to do in the next few years that we're not doing now. Why are we not doing them now? Because we're faithful to staying on budget, right? And as some things have changed in the building that require larger resource, we've had to divert some things out of some areas that we really would love to participate in, right? So there's some things on the table in the building project that we can do without. We really can. We do not need them to enter the building in the fall. But if we have them, they will be awesome for the gospel experience of some people coming in. We will not add them unless the giving goes up because we will not break budget unless the income's larger than we anticipated. You with me? If the income gets larger, we're not breaking budget. We are increasing budget because the income increased. And so we're able to go, oh, we have more than we thought. What can we do that is part of phase two that we can put into phase one? So there are a couple of things just practically in the building that we could do if we saw the next six months become an ex expanded level of faithfulness when the 500 new people of you engage and the rest of you finish strong or increase. Listen to this, okay? There are some technological upgrades in the sanctuary, Mix 56 and Kid City we would like to see happen. That doesn't mean that we have no technology, right? Additional uh, sound absorbing panels in the sanctuary, that doesn't mean we don't have any. But here's what's happening with the lights. 
we have gone bare minimum on all of the on, on all of that stuff because it's not a necessity it is an enhancer of the experience of the gospel right so we have just enough sound panels to absorb the sound so it doesn't kill us but we probably need twice as many if we really want it to be awesome but we're not going to put them in because they cost more money and we don't have that yet because we're on budget we have lights in the sanctuary yes you're not going to be sitting there like where is, where's Renault or Brady? We have lights, but we really need more. We've gone bare minimum on, on this stuff. Mix 56 room, children's room, bare minimum. Phase two, we'll, we'll increase that. But we'd love to add some of those things now to give the people walking into the building a more well-rounded uh, comfort so that they can experience the gospel really, really well and not be distracted. Um, theming and furniture upgrades for Mosaic Kids. We have a great theming journey in the Mosaic Kids. We have great furniture, but there are a number of things that our team that's doing the theming said, boy, it'd be awesome if we did this. Boy, it'd be so cool if this could happen. Boy, if we could just add that table there. Wow. And we go, sorry, that's not in the budget. I would love to go back to those people and say, our church just showed a generosity beyond what we anticipated. So guess what happened to the budget? We got to increase it, not break it. We got to increase it so that we can fit some of these additional things in. So when our children walk into the building, here's our heart for our kids. Listen, listen deeply and carefully to me. I'm not interested in entertaining our children. I'm not interested in having them go, where's the coolest place on the planet? The smoke is awesome. Here's what I'm interested in. They are coming out of a planet that is distracting them and, and, and hurting them every day, just as it is us, Right? And when they come to church, I want two things to be true. One, I want them to get lost in our church. Not lost like, where's my kid? That's not the kind. <laughs> I mean that there's such wonder for them that they forget the world they just walked out of and they just are focused on the world of the kingdom of God. And two, I want church to be their very favorite day of the week. Because why? Because God should be their very favorite person on the planet. And so we want to make that as special as we can. And we can do that if generosity <laughs> increases. There are some, thank you, there are some additional fixtures in the lobby for the same reasons, but for the adult world. Then the build out uh, for support ministry staff. So um, we have some, uh, some, some office spaces uh, that are, uh, we are able to build in the building, but it's in phase two. Uh, because when we were looking at office spaces versus children's kids rooms, guess what we picked? Children's kids rooms, all 14 of them. So how many offices do we have in the building? We have, we have one actually, I was going to say zero two, one for Jeff, our tech guy, because without an office, he can't actually run the entire building, in which case the lights we have won't work. So he does have an office. The rest of us, zero offices in the building. Do we need them? No, no, we can meet at Starbucks and, and, and Oxum and those places, but the reality is that having a few offices in the building will be helpful in phase one so that we can do a few things there. We're not going to build them unless we have additional resources. So that's, that's just some of the building things that we need to do. Here's some of the other stuff that additional generosity will affect over the next six months. There are some staff hires that we need to make for the anticipation of moving into the new building so that we can anticipate the new people who want to be equipped to do the work of the gospel but just don't know that they want to be that because they still buy into the American dream as we experience it, right? 
we are not going to hire those staff ahead of time because we don't want to break the budget. But if we had an increased amount of generosity, we could hire some staff over the next six months in preparation for that so that we don't get behind the curve. That would be very helpful. We will do it if we together collectively finish strong and add to what we've already done. And finally, we actually have global partners, despite the 27 we fund, we have global partners on a waiting list that we think are incredible, that we cannot fund right now because we do a percentage, 20% of our total, right? But the reality is that if the 20% goes up, when what? When the total goes up, it's math, right? The percentage of a total increases when the total increases, right? So as our total increases, then so will our percentage, which will mean we can bring some of these new people on board. And some of our current partners could use some funding in addition to what we give them uh, that we would love to affect for them to do the effective work that they are currently doing on the ground in all of the continents on which they're working. So we want to see all of that happen. And that will happen as we step into this story. So we are going to um, come on down in a minute and hand you some cards. Now you might say, oh, you're handing cards to make commitments. No, these cards are for something else. They're for the second thing I'm about to say. As much as we'd love to see increased generosity in the funding for those of you that have never stepped in or for those of you that have been faithful to finish strong, what we need at equal level is you. What? You. We need your time and your energy. See, coming into this new space, we have a tremendous amount of new teams we're developing. Did you know what we're going to need now? A parking team. Who knew? We need parking teams. We need teams in every arena that we don't even have yet. So we're handing these cards out. Here's why. On the, on the one side of the card, you are going to see it say, uh, if you'd like to serve here at Mosaic, we want you to fill this out. Now, why are we handing you cards? It's getting awkward. You're like, oh my gosh. Here's why. Because most of you are like me. Uh, your spouse sends you upstairs to go get something, and halfway up the stairs, you've done what? You've forgotten what it is you're supposed to go get. There's a few of you that just went, that's never happened to me. Wow, you're awesome. Unbelievable. But me, that happens all the time. So we know that if we say to you, hey, over the next six months, we'd love for you to just jump in and serve somewhere, you'll all, with good intentions, go, uh-huh, uh-huh. But then you'll walk out of here and Monday will happen and you'll completely forget that you were supposed to do that. So we hand these cards out to have you tangibly go, let me think about this right here, right now, and then put this into some kind of cognitive space that I won't forget. If you currently serve here, you don't have to fill a card out, right? Neat, slip it on under the chair. By the way, the pens are under the chairs. We didn't put the cards there because to feel for a card under the chairs when your knees already, it's a very, very awkward. So the pen, you can kind of go, eh, uh, got it. So here's the deal. If you're not currently serving or you want to expand in your serving, read the card, Look at it, fill it out. It gives you all the new teams we're going to need people for. It gives you the current teams we need people for. This is over the next six months into the new space for the new building. You with me so far? So you're going to fill that card out. If you already serve, you're going to do what? Put the card on your seat. You don't need to fill it out, okay? Then if you're part of those 500 people that were not here a year and a half ago and you're like, I want in on the kitchen, if you flip the card... There is the get loud thing that we did a year and a half ago. If you already filled a card out a year and a half ago, do we want you to fill this one out? No, you don't need to do that. This is not a new commitment. This is just for those of you that have never participated to be able to say, I would like in on this story. If you are here and you filled a card out a year and a half ago and things have changed for you and you're like, man, I've got more than I thought and you want to add, then fill the card out. So you with me so far? Okay, 
If you need to take the card home and go talk to your spouse about this on either level, feel free to do that, except for this, right? If in six months you find the card under a couch somewhere and you go, oh, if you fill it out then, get loud will be over and you will have not been in this kitchen. You with me? So don't forget it at home. Put it somewhere safe. Fill it out this week. Bring it back next week. The longer you keep it, the less likely you will be participating, right? Okay, so do that. Also, last thing. As you look at this card and you fill this card out, if you are one of the people that is not, if you fill out anything on the serving side, you are not committing to serving for the next two years. And if you don't, we're going to kick you out of the church. You are simply saying, I am interested in serving in these categories potentially. Someone will get with you, dialogue with you about what that means, and then you can make a decision. You with me? So as you're looking at those, you go, if I mark parking team, what does that mean? Don't worry. Mark it because all you're saying is, that'd be, that'd be kind of cool. I'm interested in that. And once someone talks to you, then you'll be able to go, oh, no, 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 I, I can't do that. Or, yeah, no, that sounds great. You with me? So this is saying I'm interested. On the commitment one, you're not saying you're interested, okay? I'm kind of interested in committing at this. Have someone call me and we can talk it through and I'll decide if I'm going. No, if you put that on there, you're saying this is what I'm committing. Now again, you, we're not holding you to it. You're holding you to it, but it makes it tangible for you, okay? So does that make sense? So take some time, fill those cards out, throw them in the boxes in the back and or at the connect wall and or at the get loud wall. Okay, where are we? Where are we? We are getting to participate in a story that is getting bigger and bigger, larger and larger, not just in terms of numeric largeness, but in terms of loudness, impact. I'm glad you're in it with me. I'm in it with you. All my resources are on the table as well, just like yours. All my time and energy the same way. Let us collectively engage in making the gospel beautiful by participating in a story that is beyond our wildest imagination. And as we do that, I am thrilled that we are going to get to stand someday viewing the redemptive stories that have taken place as a result of all of this and be able to say, <laughs> I was in the kitchen with dad when he did that. I promise you this. If you do not participate, the redemptive stories will end up on the table. God is going to get it done. But I promise you this. It's a super bummer when everybody at the table gets to have participated and you didn't. God doesn't lose out. Redemption doesn't lose out. You lose out. And your world got smaller while others' worlds got bigger. Generosity is not our obligation. It is our gift. Let's pray. God, you're incredible. It's amazing what you've allowed us to participate in. It's amazing what we get to be part of. And I pray that you will just uh, use our bits and pieces, our resources, our generosity, our time, our energy, the things we bring to the table, and just like my kids in the kitchen, doing what I ask them to do, sometimes doing it super well and sometimes not so well. Give us the confidence to know that as we participate in your story, if we do it really well, that's awesome. If we don't do it so well, you're gracious and that's awesome, but that being in the kitchen with you is what matters most, that we get in we get our hands dirty, we give our time, energy, and resources, and we get to say when redemption is all done, I got to be part of that. Thank you that you have made it so safe for us that no matter what, whether we're in, we're out, or we mess up while we're in, that you will get the waffles on the table. 
and that we can count on that. Thank you even more that we get to be part of making those waffles, not because you need us, but because you want us. We're overwhelmed, and we love you. In Jesus' name.